Today I'm speaking with shoemaker Naot about their international success story, and it is a big one. When the members of a kibbutz founded a shoe factory back in 1942 in a one-room workshop, no one imagined that in 50 years' time their shoes would be worn all over the world. The small shoe factory that made simple work shoes and sandals has become an international business and is now Israel's leading manufacturer and exporter of shoes all over the world. Today, their factory is still housed in Israel, and though the region is often politically charged, they believe each shoe made is a sign of peace. So we're going to talk about that and how they're changing the world one step at a time. I'm joined by Steve Lax, the chairman of NAO Worldwide and president of Yalit, and his daughter, Ayelet Lax-Levy, the VP of U.S. Operations, to share their story right here on All Business. He's one of the world's most respected business experts, Jeffrey Hazlett. I want to take you behind the scenes on what's happening in business today. And whether you're on Main Street or Wall Street, we're going to find out the secrets behind their success. This is All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by Dunkin' Donuts. Hey, you know, this story appeals to me on so many different levels. Fathers and daughter, a person who started in the business, then bought the business, then you guys do all this peace work with what you're doing. And I like the fact that I got to just jump right into the fact your company's been around when I look at the, look, Noet. No, how do I how do I pronounce it? First of all, I want to make so, sure. So what, one of the fun things about our company is uh, for years it's Naot, now now Naot. And we always say, who cares? They're comfortable, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it gets right to the value proposition. But, you know, your com- that company's been around since before the modern-day state of Israel. So, yeah, yeah yes. that's pretty cool. Yeah, it was, it was started by a bunch of uh, new immigrants in, uh, ni- in 1944, actually. Uh, in, uh, before they – this company was – on a kibbutz, uh, a collective farm for, and still is there, with, it's where our manufacturing is. But it was started even before they got there. Um, so it's, it's a really cool story. It's a, uh, immigrants from Europe who were shoemakers and started repairing shoes and then made some shoes for the army. Uh, and then through the years, got into the comfort business. Yeah, that's, it's, it's a phenomenal story. We're going to delve more and more into it and I you know and then I look at the story Steve before I get into talking with your daughter and we want to bring her in because she's a big part of your success I know as we all have our children in businesses they're big parts of our success in our lives quite frankly as we both know um, you know but you started out selling for the company and being a distributor and had to compete to even get the business as I recall from the history of this right so, so um, you know I, I kind of um, I I Moved to Israel, started my own collective farm with a bunch of young Americans uh, in the 70s. Um, and I had gone into the Israeli army, and I uh, lived in Israel for something like 15 years. Uh, my Ayelet was born in Israel. Her sister, her first, we have three daughters. Uh, our second daughter was also born in Israel. And uh, got sick in the Israeli army and had to come back here. Uh, found myself kind of out of work in uh, a pretty penniless, and I started uh, with my brother-in-law, a little leather jacket company, um, and then we were 
uh, not very successful. I never knew there was such a thing as a reorder, but people really liked me. And I used, used to take the kids out with me on the road to sell, and all my customers loved the kids, and they loved yeah. me as a salesman. So it was really, we worked in a condo in our basement and sold these terrible sheepskin jackets from Israel. And, uh, the, 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 with know, the rough leather on the outside and then the turned yeah, up yeah, lamb, yeah, lamb wool. Yeah, I had one of those. Yeah. I had one of those yeah, years so, ago, early yeah, 80s. So yeah. it, I learned all about uh, the import-export business and, and the fashion business and how things go in and out of fashion before you even know about it. Yeah. But I created a, a group of uh, leather shops who were very loyal and friendly to us and really loved us. And one of them mentioned Nao uh, to me because... Uh, they had tried some Naoat sandals one summer and uh, and said to me, you know, we can't get them anymore. And, um, you know, push comes shove. I said, well, my sister-in-law lives on the farm where they make them, and uh, I've worn them, you know, for the last 10 years. And so I know all about it, and I was a long-haired hippie and met the uh, the director of the time of the factory in, in New York City was coming in and said, hey, I'm your guy. And he said, no, you're not. Uh, <laughs> said, no, yeah, yeah, I'm your guy. And uh, so I, made, I made him take me to a show and uh, learned all about um, our competition, who at the time was Birkenstock. Yeah. And we uh, basically, uh, and I said, wow, we have a better product and, uh, you know, we're, we're more fashionable, we're more fun, and we're less money. So this is a win-win and uh, started selling and uh, there were three distributors at the time and uh, slowly but surely there were two and then we became the the national distributor and we were something like 60% of the worldwide uh, business for many years. And when I first met NAO, they were actually uh, almost ready to close the factory uh, and we kind of saved them back wow. then. That's it, and then that's, and then of course in what? Years ago. And then a couple of years ago, you actually bought the company, right? So um, you know, you know, it's interesting. I'm uh, 65 now, and I, I've been doing this for 30 years. Um, you know, came from uh, a, a very different background, and kind of don't even see myself having been in the shoe business, but more in the comfort health business, um, and I. We, we do things a little different than most of our competitors. Uh, so one of the things that uh, happened is through the years, we did really, really well. Um, the, the kibbutz or the farm that was uh, sold a major interest to investment uh, bankers, and the people who bought the company were really having a difficult time with themselves, and uh, they were thinking about selling the company to another company, which would have taken all the production and yeah. all the employees' jobs away from them uh, about four years ago. Um, and at that point, the CEO came to me and said, you know, Steve, if you and Susie, or my, your wife, don't buy the company, uh, we're going to close up in four to six months. And um, I had done very well for the last 25 years at that point and felt, uh, my wife said to me, in the end of the day, it's not all about money. You don't take money with you when you pass away. It's your good name. Mm -hmm. So we actually went, we had no debt in our life and we went deeply into debt to buy the worldwide company and we did. Has it been a great, has it been a good decision for you? 
Well, it, it's it's an interesting, you know, when you have, now we have literally thousands of employees worldwide. Um, and so at any given day, when you have thousands of employees, uh, somebody's doing something really wonderful, and someone's <laughs> doing something really terrible. Or stupid, or stupid, yeah, right, or yeah. stupid, yeah. So, so, you know, you never know yeah. what the next moment, and, and a worldwide company has uh, different problems every day, and yeah. Being, uh, be, becoming from a distribution and sales company to a total manufacturing integrated company. And we own now um, something like 75 stores outside of the United States, um, 65 in Israel and 10 in Canada. So the, um, it's, 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 it, the problems are myriad and difficult, but it's a challenge and it's actually a lot of fun. Well, let me take a quick break, and then I want to come back. I want to bring your daughter into the conversation because she's a big part of the business as well. Uh, hey, folks, I want to talk to you for a second. Of, see if you're enrolled in DD Perks. We're talking about Dunkin' Donuts. You can get any DD card at any Dunkin' location online or via the Dunkin' mobile app. Um, then just create an account, and you'll be eligible for all sorts of perks, like a free beverage with every 200 points. I earn them all the time. And you just hit, I just hit 200 points today, in fact, and was able to grab a free coffee. And it was a great way to start my day running because uh, today's a big day with lots of interviews and lots of stuff going on, as in is every day a big day. Uh, St- Steve, you drink coffee at all? Yeah, I do. Uh, I, I do. <laughs> well, try to, try to have a Dunkin' every once in a while. And right, it ke- I will. keeps me in business. Now, just... My, my, my uh, the folks here at Del Lead are big fans of Dunkin'. They like to bring in a, every once in a while a... Uh, a, a, a whole uh, oh, donuts and everything. Yeah, yeah. Well, we do a lot of donuts. <laughs> yeah. Well, you you buy Dunkin'. I'll keep buying the Born uh, Clog. I like that Born Clog. That's a nice looking shoe, and it's a good oh, shoe great. for tooling around in my place in South Dakota. So, uh, I yell it. You're you're part of the business. When did you join the business? I uh, well, I've, I've kind of always been a little bit involved. Yeah. You know, as my dad said, I was in the car growing up, watching yeah. him do these uh, presentations, and then. Growing up, going all the trade shows and doing presentations even before I was part of it. Yeah. Um, but it was after college I went and I worked in the advertising world for a while and uh, became really unhappy having to uh, actually sell things to people that I didn't think they needed and um, decided to come back into the business. And one of the things my dad said about this about 12 years ago now um, he said, don't come right into the business, go study and learn it. So I went and I worked in retail for two years, uh, two summers in the shoe, uh, in, a, in a great shoe store in, on the Upper West Side. And then I went over to England for a year and studied and got a master's in shoe design and technology. And um, actually was up for uh, Young Designer of the Year there and ended up, was going to start my own company. And when I realized that I'd actually have to move to a factory and not live where I live right now in New York, yeah. I said, you know what, I'm just going to join the business. Yeah. And uh, ended up coming in about 11 years ago full time. You know, it, my daughter works in the business. And were you, my daughter, when she was, and as my son does as well, and when my daughter was like five, six, seven, I used to take her on the road with me too. And I used to do a lot of speeches, and she would help sell tapes in the back of the room. <laughs> and she would collect those $20 when people would buy the tapes. Were you doing, it sounds like you were doing some of that stuff too. Well, we, we were even, we were at, um, uh, you know, at the time when we came here, we were pretty much uh, 
living hand to mouth. And uh, we would go to uh, shows on in the uh, you know flea uh, basically shows street shows, yeah. and the kids would make their own jewelry and. Uh, they would sell the jewelry that they made, uh, and that was their allowance because they were, they were, you know, things were pretty tight then, yeah. way back when. So, you know, it, it's it's been a, a really blessed journey uh, for us. Was the was the was the decision to get in? You you said you went to this guy that owned the owned the company. Say, hey, I want to sell these. Yeah. Was it kind of an accident? I mean, to get in the but, shoe business, or was that something? That yeah, you yeah, to, 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 yeah, totally was an accident. Yeah. It was totally. Um, yeah, you know, and, it, and it was really funny because it was, I was looking for something, uh, you know, I, I read the entrepreneur's guide. There's a mm-hmm. wonderful book called the entrepreneur's guide to business. Yep. And, um, I, I read it and I said, you know, it, and the wonderful thing about being an entrepreneur, you can make a decision of what you want to do with your life and your business. And for me, the big thing was I wanted to make people feel good and do something that was making the world a better place. And very quickly on, when I realized what Mayo was all about, is everything about the product was making people feel good, making them feel healthier, and making the world a better place. Well, you know, there was something I wrote down a few minutes ago as both of you were talking, but you you mentioned something, and, and I wrote down the word purpose. Because I, I get a sense in what your wife had said, Susan had said, or Susie, that you know you, we don't need. It's not always about the money. And then I get this sense of what you're talking about here. And so I wrote down the word purpose because you guys have a unique aspect of this in terms of it's tied a little bit to peace. Can you can you give me a little bit more background on that? Sure. So um, you know, one of the things that that we like to pride ourselves on is that. It's not just about the shoes. You know, while the shoes are great and, and the product is amazing and we can feel great that we're selling something that makes people feel comfortable and, you know, wonderful and healthy, um, we also think of the general, you know, Mayot family, which is the people that we work with every day, whether they're in Israel manufacturing or here or in Canada or in Australia. Um, there's something that we call Team team Mayot, and it's really like one big family and one of the things I love about when I go to Israel to our factory is, you know, it's it's about 30 miles from Syria and, and Lebanon, and um, and you think of this beautiful, serene place that's really sort of in the middle of all this, um, and it's manufactured on, as my dad said, a, a farm that's right connected to an environmentally friend, environmentally friendly. Um, place because it's right where the Hula Valley um, has their park, their national park. And in this beautiful, serene place, we we employ people from every background, um, whether it's Muslim, Christian, religious Jew, secular Jew, um, Russian. Jews, Russian, Ethiopian, <laughs> and you name it. Um, we have African, uh, Afri- right. Africans who are fleeing from uh, from Africa to, you know, find uh, refuge. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's really an amazing, amazing uh, collection. As my wife said, there's, there's no such thing as a head covering in our company uh, <laughs> in Israel. And, and it's a, a big family. And one of the, you know, one of the things you don't hear about Israel is these lovely stories. And, 
there's a lot of news that comes out about all the fighting that might happen in different areas of Israel. And under this factory, you have thousands of people that work together and are very involved in each other's lives. They're all friends. They go to each other's baby namings, their, their weddings, their birthdays. They celebrate together. They know each other's families intimately. And, you know, it's this wonderful place of hope. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, and besides and besides that, I mean, one of the coolest things is that the Jordan River actually flows through the farm that we uh, make our shoes. I mean, it's it, so historically, uh, the place is just an amazingly beautiful, uh, wonderful place. And and right near us, like like it says, um, basically you have uh, all the war going on around us. But it doesn't seem to touch us. Um, you know, we in in the uh, 30 years I've been working with the company, we've never missed a shipment in any given week, including in the middle of wars. So wow. the people come together, and um, you know, and what I say to all our employees was, we represent Israel and uh, the possibilities of the beauty of this country in a totally unique way. Uh, and it's all about shoes of peace. We've been working with uh, Palestinian sellers for 30 years who have their own factories, um, and every every day they're bringing us sewing that, uh, and and they're incredibly professional. They, you know, it's impossible to replace them. Um, and the relationship is we're creating jobs in a place there are almost no jobs. Um, and again, like I said, it's not our factory, but it's their own factories, and. So for me, the joint of bringing Israelis and Palestinians together in creating jobs and creating an uh, incredibly wonderfully healthy product uh, that I believe is, you know, is bar none uh, the best shoes in the world, um, is, is really something, uh, it, it's a great story. Oh, that's fantastic. I, and I want to come back to that story, but let me take a quick break. If you're looking to own your own business, because uh, we're talking to some super entrepreneurs here, uh, I want you to talk to the folks at Liberty Tax Service, because Liberty's been named the best of the best in financial services by Entrepreneur Magazine, and they provide great support and a solid structure for small business owners. You know, you can go with it. Don't forget these folks. They wave. You see them out in the streets during tax time, which will be coming up soon. And uh, you can have a seasonal franchise or you can own one all year long. It's really up to you. Just reach out to the folks at Liberty Tax or, hey, call me and I'll put you directly in touch with the CEO. How's that for uh, from attention to detail and, and, and going right to the top? Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. I'd like to come back, um, Ayelet, and to Steve a little bit more on this Palestinian thing. You know, my area of study back in college was that region. In fact, I actually wrote a paper on the on the founding state of Israel well, when it was formed back in 1948. Uh, I didn't write the paper back then, but I, I wrote the paper while I was in college. And, um, you know, there's always been a lot of conflict in there. But one of the things, and I love this idea, this whole thing of shoes for peace. One of the things I read was that you pay or employ Palestinians at the same full Israeli wages as everybody else. Is that is that different typically in, in, in the state of Israel? Well, again, the Palestinians work in their own factories, so they're they're under Israeli law, um, and and the idea that they have to keep uh, 
you know, again, we're we're not doing something that is uh, is, is again the, the whole point of of uh, creating entrepreneurs in the Palestinian area. So most of the people that we're working with are um, uh, people who live in the East Jerusalem, and they have their sewing workshops in Hebron mm-hmm. and other places. Um, and again, they they have to keep with what is uh, currently Israeli. Uh, practices, which is allowing for certain minimum wages, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Ayala, what's it like working with your dad? So, it's always fun, but it's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> well, well um, said. You sound like a diplomat already. Well said. <laughs> so, you know what? I have to say, we get along really great. Mm-hmm. Um, before I came in, my dad actually did something really smart, and he um, and sometimes I have to give him credit for that, right? Yep. You got it. <laughs> um, so we met and we had some uh, family counseling. My husband actually works in the business as well. Oh. And um, the three of us met and had family counseling um, and decided that we were going to be open and honest about everything. Yeah. And I think that I get the best of both worlds because I get my dad, who is amazing and smart and I respect both um, personally and professionally Um, and I think that the trust you have between family is something that can't be replaced Mm -hmm. with anything or with anyone and um, the great thing is that when you know again to be really honest you know there's times where we disagree but we work we work it out and we don't let it fester and as long as you work it out and you're able to talk and you're honest then then I think that you know, the, the relationship, um, I'm pretty, pretty, pretty lucky to have um, him in my life to help foster me in a professional way. I, well. I think one of the smart things he did, though, and I've been, I bought and sold 250 businesses in my career, been involved with family business for many years. And by the way, we're about to see one of the biggest transfers of wealth in the history of the world uh, with businesses being transferred to the next generation. We've never seen anything like it in this country, and uh, and it's not just in the United States, but it will be around the world with that what, what we call the baby boomer generation um, turning over the reins to business to their to their children. But uh, he did something where he said, "Go out and work somewhere else," which I did to the, to both of my children, because I wanted them to see what it was like in the real world before they came over to this world. So, so uh, you know. Um one of the things that happened with me is I grew up in a family business mm-hmm. uh, as a kid uh, before I moved to Israel. And I, I, I moved as far away as I could from that family business. And, um, and it, there was a lot of conflict in that family business. And, and I've seen a lot of families get ripped apart yeah. um, by, by and, it, and it's really difficult because, um, for example, my wife and I work together every day to start the company. And, in order to stay married, we decided that was not a good thing, and she she went into her own career, and she's created an amazing career of helping people all around the world. Uh, she's a spiritual counselor, and she does amazing things. Uh, but it, you know, when Ayala came was going to come in, I didn't want to do the same mistakes that I felt my father uh, did with with us, and so we we really tried to. One of the things I also tried to do initially is as much as possible, separate um, our responsibilities so 
um, she was responsible and initially she reported to other people than me. Yeah. Um, and then as, as she's taken on more and more and we work really close together, um, you know, it, 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 we've developed a language and, and again, it's net, it's not always perfect, but, um, I can say that 98% of the time we've really developed a wonderful working relationship. Yeah, it's always tough. You've got to make sure that sometimes you're the boss and sometimes you're the dad, and you got to have different places to be able to practice that. And it's, it's and, and I think it's, it's very, very important. One thing I've learned later uh, than earlier is, number one, you're no matter how old you are, you're always the parent. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it, it doesn't matter if you're, you know, 80 or 20 or, yeah. or you know, you're the parent and you have to relate to your, your children as uh, the most important thing is they are your children. And, yeah. and, and you can't lose perspective of that um, at the end of the day. So, um, you know, you know, our, I, I think it's very clear now with my grandchildren and my daughters that we have an amazingly wonderful type family and that's the most important thing in my life uh, above business well 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 said you know and the other thing uh, uh, i yell it to let you know no matter how old you are you're always the child you know it's the same (laughs) thing when my when my mother was alive and and she was much and obviously much older it didn't make a difference i'm 50 years old i'm still the kid and she still treats me the same way. That's just the way it works. And it took me a lot of years to figure that out. But what else have you done? I mean, I saw some cool things that you started adding some accents, like rhinestones and metallic inlays and some other things. What is it you're bringing to the business on the operational side? things that, well, at this point I, I handle a lot, but one of the things I first came in doing is coming from a design background and a merchandising background. I looked at one of the shoes that we were selling, and it was just selling okay, and at that time, rhinestones were in yeah. on footwear, and I just basically replaced a grommet with a rhinestone, and it soon became our number one item that was picked up across the country from Nordstrom's walking company, you, know, you name it, and all wow. the big retailers, including independents. And we, um, it became basically our first huge selling shoe um, very quickly. And it was a minor change. Um, I'm not the, the main designer, but I, I, there's 30 designers that we work with. But one of the things I do is I work very closely with them to make slight alterations and to pick out the shoes and give them some of the directions of what's happening in the, the U.S. Um, uh, market and, and kind of bring it in. So I, I come with a different perspective of a from a fashion background and from uh, trying to make comfort shoes with a feminine fashion touch. And so that idea sort of came in a collaboration between me and um, our head designer over there who really has her own touch. And we work very, very closely now um, in collaborating on new collections and the direction of the overall company product-wise. And I also came from an advertising background. So very quickly coming in, we started creating um, booklets and which weren't being done before, and um, our own advertisements, and uh, looking at marketing in a whole different way. And I, I worked with this. Uh, our marketing manager today uh, came in about, I guess, 11 years ago, right, or 10 years ago, and um, she had never done any sort of graphic design. And right away, uh, she came in doing, you know, basic customer service. And I picked up that she had a good 
design eye. So one of the things I started doing was training our employees here and, and use, using their talents to grow the business and to allow us to go into different areas like PR and marketing and, and stuff that we really hadn't touched in a big way. Just a quick little story that, uh, that I think is very important. We have uh, two or three most of our uh, managers are women in, in the company, and, and many of our managers in Israel are women. Um, and so one of the cool things that one of Ayala's friends noticed when we were at a trade show in Europe, she said, there's all these old men picking women's shoes. There seems to be something wrong with that. And I always thought, uh, well, I have a really good eye on how to put a collection together, um, in the end of the day, I, I defer to the younger women in our company to actually make the decisions because we're, we're about 85% women's shoes, and now our men's line, which is growing phenomenally this last year, um, but, but to let women actually make the decisions, and like I said, like I said our head designer and our top designers in Israel are all women, um, and our main people doing product here are women as well, for women. And I think that gives it a different uh, perspective than a lot of the different companies where men are making, suggesting shoes for women. Yeah, that's very cool. Well, what, one of the cool things that you guys have is the footbed. Tell me, tell me about that, or what are some of the other unique designs that you use for uh, the shoes themselves? That's actually our DNA. So in yeah. every shoe, whether or not you actually see that it's a cork latex footbed, um, it has a cork latex footbed. And as I said, we've gone into some more fashionable things. So as we've kind of hidden it underneath, uh, you know, leather coverings and whatnot, but kept our DNA and kept the comfort. And basically what it is is it's um, cork and latex with, with memory foam in it as well. And it's our own unique footbed. So the, as soon as you put it on, as opposed to some other cork footwear that's out there, um, the automatic feeling is what women like to term, oh, my gosh. <laughs> they yeah. put it on and they go, oh, my gosh, I didn't know this kind of comfort existed. And, the, you know, it has halix support. It has, you know, heel indentation and it has arch support kind of in all the right places. But that, oh, my gosh, feeling that women feel in the first day only gets better because it molds to your foot and it almost creates a custom orthotic for you the longer you wear it, um, which is why it's still recommended by so many podiatrist out there today for people do you ever think of cheating on that i mean i'm not saying cheat but you know just <laughs> i mean because you can make a pair of jimmy chews for two thousand three thousand dollars or sell them for that yet they're, they're they got to be almost like torture devices to some extent i mean right. not so, knocking those guys but it's a different type of design <laughs> versus you're saying for comfort most comfort shoes look quite frankly like your competitors they're just butt ugly you know, so. Right. so so one of the things that we've done is uh, we're actually this year we're promoting uh, for the first time wedding shoes because we've had five or six people, uh, families who wore our shoes at weddings and they're really gorgeous uh, shoes and and what ended up happening is that as opposed to buying a really expensive pair of shoes and then kicking them off halfway through the wedding, the mother of the bride and the bride both said I danced all night and I wasn't com I was amazingly comfortable and I had the time of my life and my feet didn't hurt so it you know it seems to be something you would think is not a difficult thing but 
but for whatever reason, um, you know, fashion people do not think about uh, how people are going to feel at the end of the day, yeah. and uh, women are in pain all the time when they wear these really, really uh, fashionable, you know, beautiful shoes. But there, there comes a, at a, a cost that is, uh, you know, to me unacceptable. Um, and so what we've done is we've always look at fashion. But the main thing we look at is, are our shoes going to be incredibly comfortable? And, you know, I get stopped whenever I travel around the world by women saying, you have no idea what you've done to my life. You know, you've <laughs> taken, allowed me to walk around feeling good. And I, I couldn't even walk at a certain point, And your shoes are just, have saved me. And you should do this. really should make Great feeling. You should make some for the trade show industry. You know, because... Well, we, we, <laughs> we, we do, you know, I'm telling you. Our new men's shoes, which uh, are are absolutely gorgeous. Um, you know, they're, they're dress shoes, and they they are just... Some, Bill Murray it, just wore them to the White House. Yeah, yeah, Bill uh-huh. Murray. We just saw Bill Murray wearing them at the White House, and it, it, they're, you know, they're incredibly comfortable, and they look really, really great. They're hand-painted, uh, which is something really unique that we're doing now, that um, we have a whole team of um, artisans who are painting our shoes by hand, so each shoe's an individual shoe, and we thought the women would go crazy over it, but it's actually the men who are buying them like nonstop. So Let me ask, well, a question with that: you got you got to make some. Cow- I wear cowboy boots. You need to make a pair of cowboy boots. <laughs> That might be. Hey, we're always looking for new lines. Yeah, that, that would be awesome. <laughs> we Good. do it for women. We haven't done it for men yet. Come on, actually, what? Treat us equally. We, you know, men like shoes too. It's all right. You sound like my husband. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you? I gotta imagine you speaking of Bill Murray wearing shoes. I, I remember when I was a CMO of Kodak and. Uh, somebody would hold up a Kodak camera on on a, te- a television show or something like that, and I'd go, "Hey, it's one of ours." Do you guys, you guys must walk up to people, and you don't even look them in the eye; you just look down at their shoes. Yeah, it is actually a terrible, <laughs> a little awkward, a little awkward because <laughs> I walk around all the time, and I'm just looking at women's feet, and I, and, and my son-in-law, the same thing. We we will walk up to people and say, "Oh, those are our shoes." So they've now given me a card, um, and we we have a thing that uh, our our consumers are called maotics by our. Uh, retailers because they become addicted to our shoes, and so we we now have a card that they gave me that because I embarrassed my whole family. Uh, and he walks up to random women and he goes, "Nice shoes," <laughs> <laughs> and, and the woman turns around and she's like, "Uh, what do I do with this?" <laughs> <laughs> well, some women would like it. Probably causes you problems with your wife. Yeah, so now season, I give but, them the uh, card that says yeah. you're a neotic, and they, and they get like a little free gift. That's a little free gift. And so now, uh, so now they're excited by it. <laughs> that's fabulous. Well, hey, listen. Listen, I got to thank you both for coming on board and talking with us about Shoes for Peace and about all you're doing. Great success. It's so good to see good people do well with uh, doing things the right way. And it's just, it's a real inspiring story. So can I just add one little thing? Absolutely. Our company motto pretty much is uh, to fixing the world every day. So whatever we do, um, and we donate shoes to, uh, I don't know if you know, we donate shoes to battered women shelters on a weekly basis, battered women or family shelters on a weekly basis uh, since I started the company. And literally, we're about 
that comfort is an idea that is beyond just feeling comfortable. It's everything you do in your life, um, and that it should be something that um, is a motto for people of how you you live your life. So it's uh, something we've done, and we're very proud of um, to this day, and we, we continue to uh, give shoes out every week, about 250 pairs a week, and then we also um, have been doing it for 30 years. And on top of that, we, whenever there's a national uh, emergency, we've, we have a local store who will always give out shoes to people who've lost everything in a fire or a flood or whatever. So it, it's, um, you know, I, th- I believe that if you, I know you're, you're advising business people, um, you know, for a long time, I think business was about uh, being uh, how much money you can make. In the end of the day, I think you can make a lot of money and yet really be uh, a good citizen at the same time. Well, I tell you what, you're proving it every single day, making the world better one step at a time, and you're here with me on All Business. Taking you behind the scenes of what's happening in the business world, Jeffrey Hazlett hosts All Business, brought to you by Dunkin' Donuts. couple of learnings that I've got this week to share with you, and I'm sure you picked up a few yourself. Uh, one, I love that, where you, hey, send your kids off to work for someone else so they can come back and really realize what it's like, and they got they got a good thing with mom and dad. Not a bad thing for them to learn. But, hey, do you get this other one? I love this one. He, he woke up one day and he saw these, she was, the daughter was talking about, hey, all these old men are buying shoes. Are you kidding me? For women? Let women decide what they want. Very smart. Very smart. Years ago when I was at Kodak, I had people who wanted to be head of marketing in India or head of marketing in China. And I'd say, you don't even look like the people we're selling to. You're, you, just because you like Indian food doesn't make you an expert in India. Just because you've been there a couple times doesn't make you an expert. And just because you know uh, a good-looking woman, right? I'll say that doesn't mean I'm really good at picking out their shoes. So, let the people who are going to buy them do it, not a bunch of old men. I thought that was a great lesson that we learned today right here on All Business. Don't forget, please tell your friends to come and listen to the show, all right? You can find us on iTunes, anywhere that you've got a podcast, and certainly on Play.it. This has been Jeffrey Hazlett with All Business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.